Hello and welcome to the Parents Survival Kit Podcast from Surviving to Thriving in Your Household. My name is Gene Schwelin. Next to me, as always, my beautiful bride, Dr. Sonia Schwelin, pediatric expert psychologist, nationally certified school psychologist, and we have a very special guest on the show today. We're so excited. So we have Dr. Stephanie Setliff. She is a psychiatrist, pediatric psychiatrist expert, and we're going to talk about medication, doping our kids up, getting them everything they need so they can actually act right and we can have a good <laughs> life and life is good. So Sounds good. You going to talk to us about <laughs> doping our kids up, Dr. Settler? Why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about your background just so they have the pleasure of hearing how awesome you are? <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm that awesome, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist and I trained at UT Southwestern and I ran their inpatient psychiatry program for years and developed an eating disorders program there. And right now, um, I'm at Eating Recovery Center. I opened our uh, treatment center in July 2014, and we've grown and grown anyway. So now here we are in, um, what are we, May 2021, um, and we treat eating disorders of all levels of care, inpatient, residential, partial hospital, intensive outpatient we don't do outpatient, outpatient work um, because we've got fabulous people like Dr. Schwalen who does. Um, so that's what we do. That's my background. I love treating eating disorders. And in that, um, we do tons of talking about parenting, tons of talking about medication, um, and do a lot of referrals for family members, whether it's parents or siblings uh, who need help from people like you. Great, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be here with us today. You're welcome. All right, so let's talk about doping up our kids, right, Gene? <laughs> yeah, you know, so, I mean, as a dad, you know, we've got four kids, and I've always been kind of scared to put my kids on medication. Uh, you know, one of the fears I have is them getting addicted to some of the medication or that being their lifeline. So can you speak to, you know, should we have fears of addiction when it comes to medicating our kids? Well, there are some medicines that are more prone for people to develop an addiction. But here's how I think about medicine for kids. I think about you don't need it unless you do. So, and the younger the child is, the more likely they might respond to non-medication um, like alternatives. So there are all sorts of things that you can do for the kids that are under 10. Even when people have attention problems, there's different interventions uh, than medication. So if you are scared of it or you just have reservations, which I, I, I'm just like you, I'm a parent. I don't want my kid to be on a on medication unless I need them to be on one because I, don't, I also don't want them to not be successful at school, not be successful socially, feel like there's something wrong with them, inadequate. I, I don't want that either. So, um, so I think when you get to psychiatric medicine, I think child psychiatrists are really – very good at prescribing. They prescribe prudently and, um, you know, conservatively. Um, but there are medications that make problems that children are having better. And and when people, uh, children, adolescents, are having a real interruption of their functioning, um, I, th I think that we ought to look at it. So um, I'm 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 not a pro medication psychiatrist, but but I use it. And I'm happy to use it. Obviously, parents have to give consent for kids to be on medicine. So really, I spend a lot of time talking to parents about medicine. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and so and that's one of your passions that I understand is working with families yeah. and whatnot. Um, so with the interventions that could be alternatively uh, successful for kids, um, that could be without medication or potentially with medication. Um, one thing that, right. that I've, I've heard a lot of is that more times than not with kids, med- medication can be just like a small component right. of the overall treatment plan to really see great success. Right. That is definitely the way to think about it. When I'm talking to families about it, I talk to them about a multi-lane highway and that medicine is in one of the lanes, but it's certainly not the answer. There's individual therapy. There's education for parents. There's working with the schools. There's so many things. Um, And so medicine is a tool. And if you use it that way, I think there's a place for it. Um, I I totally get it when people don't want to use medicine no matter what. Uh, They probably don't need a child psychiatrist then because that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) I want to follow up with that because a lot of times um, families will ask, you know, if I do put my child on medication, does that mean they're going to be on it forever or how long do they have to take it? How do you usually explain that to parents? Yeah, I mean, what we say is it's very hard to predict the future. Mm -hmm. So forever is a particularly long time. Um, But what I can say is, with almost everything, including medication that isn't psychiatric, there's a risk and a benefit, right? And so you you look at the risk and you look at the benefit and you look at them carefully because it matters. And if there is a slight risk of somebody being on a medicine, but the benefit is overwhelming. Um, And I'm just thinking about a child that was uh, the daughter of two physicians and she was brought to me. It's a long story about why she was brought to me. It doesn't matter. But she was in fourth grade. And she was depressed. But her, her depression was really because she was being bullied. She was being bullied because she had these awkward um, things that she did that other children didn't do. When she got upset, she would pull her hair. Or she would start, like, clawing on her arms. Or um, clawing on the bottom of her legs. And when she something happened on the playground she would run over to the side of the playground and do some things by the fence that that no other child did so so she was she had very poor coping strategies she was vulnerable to being bullied and she was bullied so then that made her depressed and made her have school refusal and was she wasn't sleeping so we used some psychiatric medicine for her because I sent her to therapy but I that's not going to happen very as quickly. The, the results of that may not happen as quickly. So we put her on medicine. And honestly, when she came back to see me, you know, two weeks later, she was already much better. She wasn't crying. The, the bullying had slowed down. Her behaviors, she was kind of being glued together. She had less anxiety. And she was on medicine for about three years. And one of the medicines has a little bit of risk to it. Uh, but really all you have to do is draw blood and... Um, make sure that their labs stay normal. And when the what we were watching, cholesterol went up a little bit, I said to the parents, they're physicians, we should look at taking her off. You know, this is something that is a side effect. And you know what they said? They said, no way. No way. We're not doing it. And they didn't. They, um, they, decided, they said we'd rather treat the cholesterol in the short run. And obviously, she'd been in therapy, so she's growing up. Her brain is developing. Time is on our side. So they absolutely saw the benefit of it. It outweighed the risks for them. Oh, my gosh. Just 
beyond, you know, beyond. They were so thrilled for her. I mean, they had tears in their eyes talking about it. You know, I like that you said glue together because that, I, I find that phrase is really helpful for parents yeah. to really think about it as a way to, because when I think about it as a psychologist and I'm thinking, you know, this child is not getting any benefit from therapy right now because they are just, they're just, they're needing a little extra tool in the yeah. toolbox, right? Right. And that medication can give them the uh, the glue, yeah, <laughs> I guess, right, right? Right. Just just what they need to feel better, you know, enough to actually even get the benefit from a therapy session. I agree. And we, we see that even with eating disorders, that they, they can't use their coping strategies because they're being faced by, with their, you know, their phobia, the food, six times a day. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to use a little bit of medicine to help glue them together. And do they stay on it forever? No. The truth is, I mean, I, I've not looked at this in a like a chart review way but I don't even when I see my patients outpatient or they come back to see me later nobody's really ever on the medicine necessarily that they were on when they were in crisis mm -hmm. they, they they were in crisis and so crisis calls for a different medicine than two years later right. when they're doing really well they've been in therapy they've been in family therapy their brain is two years more mature mm -hmm. and we just can't forget that you know brains fully your your prefrontal cortex fully comes online and from 23 to 25 and nothing personal but there is some argument that men may not always come online at all i agree uh, with that you know, that's I, a very I'm good okay argument with that. <laughs> i want to be a kid forever anyway so so now you know what you're I'm saying i'm going to ask you. the next question and then i promise i'll I'm just ask the next few uh -huh. but you know you're talking about ch child brain development right and yeah. so i mean what 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 do you know or what can you share with the parents about the concern that psychotropic medication interferes with brain development or, I, or does no, it? Well, we don't have any data that really suggests that. I mean, we um, now the issue that we have as child psychiatrists is that most of what we do with psychotropic medication is is off label, right? Because drug companies pay a billion dollars or more to get a drug FDA approved, they're not very likely, not that, not that they never do, but they're not very likely to go back and get an indication for child and adolescent. Um, so we have to be really thoughtful and, and use our clinical experience and expertise and consult with our peers. Um, but my worry is what untreated depression does to a brain. Because we know that untreated depression will change a brain. Okay. And so will an eating disorder. Uh -huh. And so will an eating disorder. So it, once again, it's just always risk versus benefit for me. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you know, just from my business background, I, I, I teach on really four chambers of a person, you know, spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional. And if you're not pumping all those chambers equally, you're going to be off track right. at some point in time. If you think of a ball and you roll it and it's not fielded properly, you're going right. to be off track. So. So the question I have as a parent, if I want, if, if I had some concerns about my kids and I wanted to bring them to a pediatric uh, psychiatrist, what does that appointment look like? Like, how do you determine really, like, what are the procedures in, in that appointment to figure out what my child may need from a medication standpoint and, and mm -hmm. uh, what the benefit and also maybe the risks or that we should, uh, you know, weigh out? Right. Well, what it can look like usually honestly is that there's not enough child psychiatrists in the country so it's quite difficult to get into them and um and i hate that but it's just how it is so it's you're not going to get in urgently 
right now usually. And that's why that psychologists and therapists are so important to be holding um, kids. But what it looks like is I think uh, generally everybody goes in and talks to the child psychiatrist. Sometimes the parents go and have a meeting beforehand and then the child comes to the next meeting. Sometimes um, the parent will meet with them for a bit. Then the child goes and meets with them for a bit. Then they all meet together. It can be different. It's really individual about what the psychiatrist's preference is. But, but what they really want to do is get a good history so that they can have a better understanding of what's happening and make a treatment plan. So, um, you know, in some situations, it makes more sense. When it's an adolescent, the older the child, the longer the psychiatrist tends to stay with them. Um, child psychiatrists are really good at keeping things that, you know, keeping confidentiality. And just because they met with the child for 30 minutes doesn't, and they meet with the whole group 30 minutes, it doesn't mean that they don't know how to keep the things that the child told them that aren't relevant um, confidential. So they're, they're just good at it. I mean, they're used to meeting with systems. So if you, I don't know, if, if your aunt lived with you, they'd want to meet her because it's a, all part of the system and it's where the child's living. And then they decide sometimes right away that they want to use medication. Sometimes they want to talk to the therapist. They want to talk to other people, the teacher. And that's really common that um, they gather information, especially if the child is under 10, before they approach a parent about medicine. If they do, um, they're giving you educated, thoughtful advice. I would suggest you take it. So, Dr. Zellif, you know, there's a, um, a myth maybe, because I think you just debunked it, that psychiatrists can only spend about 15 minutes with a client, and that's all you're going to get every three months. Yeah, that's just not true. I think that's a big fear out there. I hear it from parents all the time. Yeah, it's just not true. That's just not true. I mean, child psychiatrists will spend on uh, whatever it takes to get make sure that they're doing the right thing for the child. And and I can't, I don't know every single one of them. Yeah. Um, but if they had that problem with a child psychiatrist or any psychiatrist, my answer is change psychiatrist. <laughs> right? Go because shopping. It, right. If you have a yeah. realtor that isn't very kind or for some reason won't show your house, you change realtors. You don't decide you have to stay in your house for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. You change realtors. It's the same. I mean, you know, not every child psychiatrist is going to do what I'm talking about, but I, but we've got plenty in our town that will. Okay. That's really good to hear. Yeah. One, one thing that you said that stood out to me just with uh, experience being around my, my smart wife over here who's way smarter than I am because my brain is still developing and maybe never <laughs> developed completely. Smart, I shouldn't even have he said that. On, though, no, so I know. But you did talk about like different settings and looking into cross settings. Yeah. Our mom is, my mom is our nanny. Yeah. So if we had a problem with our three-year-old, then we may need to talk to, to, to Mamma to figure out, is she noticing something that, is going on or maybe something's not going on with her that we may be seeing in a different setting. So it makes well, perfect sure. sense. I mean, sure. And you might take her to one of the appointments and she might, uh, the child psychiatrist might talk to her and sh her perspective might be different, right? Because there's, there's your perspective and my perspective and the truth, right? And some, <laughs> somewhere there, you have to make peace with all of it. And, and what they want is just to know enough to be able to help that child. Okay. Well, you mentioned something earlier about there's, not very many uh, child and adolescent or pediatric and adolescent psychiatrists. So um, I have heard there's a lot of pediatricians prescribing medication. 
Um, as a coach, I've mentored and coached a lot of kids from all ages, swing at three, four years old, all the way up until high school. Um, and there's a lot of, um, a lot of parents that talk about their kids being ADHD. And even as a coach, they're like, well, my kid has ADHD, so if he's not paying attention or focusing, you know, that's the reason why, or he doesn't have the age. He just has ADD, um, and all those funny things that go on. But, um, you know, they really want medication for their kids or they're on medication, um, but one thing that I've heard also is that a lot of times there's there's prescribing medication for ADHD and, and, it, and it may not even really be ADHD. Like how much time needs to be spent and how much, you know, I guess how many conversations need to happen or whatnot to really determine if someone really does have ADHD. Right. There's rating scales for that, right? You give them to the parents, you give them to the teachers. Um, and, you know, you, you also interview the kid. Um, but I think the thing with... ADHD and medicine is if ever there's a medicine that you have to be kind of thoughtful about, um, it's that medicine in that it can, like, it can really just, like, I would say, um, make their appetite totally go away during the day. So you have to have strategies for that, feeding them a big breakfast, being ready to feed them lunch that's kind of right after school. There, There's workarounds. Um, but you don't want their growth spurts to be affected, and you don't want their weight to be affected. So they have to stay on their growth curve. Now, if that's a real problem on with a child, you don't take them off necessarily. It's not the ADHD medicine that's bad. It's that that particular medicine is not a good fit for that child. Okay. There, but there's a bunch of others. So that's you just have to be a little have psychological flexibility. Just it's a no different than if an antibiotic wasn't working you don't decide oh well that infection's just gonna have to stay there you just change antibiotics or you increase the dose or you do something like that right it's a it's not so there's so many medicines right now for people with aid for kids adults with adhd i mean um i think it's i think you don't have to jump at the medicine i think there's other strategies and if a child is floundering in school because they can't focus and they can't concentrate and they're getting in trouble all the time and they can't bring their homework, you know, home, or if they do do their homework at home, they can't remember to bring it back to school. There are just reasons that I think medicine makes sense. I don't really have a dog in the fight. I just think that there's reasons that medicine makes sense, but it's a parent's, it's a really a parent's choice. They decide what they're going to do. You know, I just want to share this, and this is going to be, I'm going to do a little shout out to people out there in the real world, so I'm going to tell them to watch this episode, but this is for you, Dr. K, Dr. Meyer, Tiffany, and Katina. I co-authored a paper in grad school, um, Psychotropic Medications, What School Psychologists Need to Know, and what we did was we looked at what the medications were FDA approved for, and then how psychiatrists prescribe off-label, as you uh, yeah, mentioned earlier, right. and just for y'all out there that don't understand what that means, it's it's prescribing a medication not what it's fda approved for but more for what from experience y'all understand how you can use that medication right? right right and so what we did was statistical significant differences between head-to-head comparisons of side effects of those medications so what you're what you're saying is you know with a stimulant medication if you knew you know this one is more statistically uh, significantly known to have you know, decreased appetite as right. a side effect versus this one or that one, you know, would that data be helpful to somebody like you? So I have to share that with you. I just wanted to say yeah. that, do the shout out. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And paper it is, that would be cool to share with you and talk about. I think it'd be awesome <laughs> to see. And, um, and you're right, there definitely are 
some that we kind of know they're like known offenders. Um, they're really good, uh, but sometimes the risk isn't worth the benefit. If, if there's another medicine that doesn't make them lose their appetite and provides the same benefit. So side effects is another common question that parents are concerned about and really think about. Um, You know, I think we mentioned earlier, like, what if it changes, you know, the child's personality or what are some common side effects and, and how do you determine if something is intolerable and you need to make a change or if it's just something that they have to ride out? Well, I don't, I'm not a big fan of um, just accommodating the side effects, right? Now, when people first start the medicine, we, Child psychiatrists, I mean, I know that adult psychiatrists do it too. We know that if you start low on maybe below the starting dose, especially a dose for a kid that you would uh, normally give, an, uh, I'm just thinking about Zoloft, a normal adult dose, you might start them at 50 milligrams. With an adolescent, you might start them at 25. With a little kid, you might start them at 12.5. You see what I mean? Like you... So I can mitigate a lot of the side effects by how you start. Um, so I like to do that when possible, and especially anxious people. They're anxious about everything, so why wouldn't they be anxious about their medicine? Mm-hmm. I tell them that all the time. They're, they'll say, I'm so anxious about starting the medicine. I'll say, of course you are. You're anxious. <laughs> why wouldn't why you present yeah, the treatment right. in the first place. Right. That's why, why you're going to go on medication. Right. <laughs> but why wouldn't you be nor- like be anxious about your medicine? And so... Um, we try to mitigate that way. I mean, the different medicines have different side effects that, you know, usually um, they will go away. Like there might be a headache or there might be a little bit of a stomach ache, a little bit of nausea. Now, those kinds of things, a lot of them, it'll go away over the first week or so. But I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, I'm feeling better and I don't really, I don't really mind the nausea. I'm like, no, no. We're going to find a medicine that makes you feel better without the nausea, right? Um, The things that I worry about with ADHD medicine is, you know, ticks. That's kind of a common side effect. Um, And and really, you just have to stop that medicine. Now, there are other medicines, as you know, that are not stimulants, that are not not nearly as likely to cause ticks, that do work well in ADHD. And so um, that's what we go to. So you're constantly balancing all of that. Like yeah. a, uh, my professor always oh. used to say, whenever medicine is being prescribed, it's like an experiment with an N of one. And so you're just. Absolutely. I think that's just t- absolutely true. And, you know, people say to me, well, well if you ever use benzodiazepines, how do you, well, aren't they going to abuse it all? Um, I mean, so, sure, somebody might, but anxious people don't want to take their medicine. And one of the ways that you can always tell when somebody is anxious is that when you say they come to see you a month later and you say hey do you need a refill in your medicine and they say no i've got planning they're not taking it because they're anxious (laughs) so we have to say to them no no no, i want you to take that medicine well and then they'll say to me well i'm trying to figure out when i when i get anxious i'm trying to decide if i want to take it if i need to take it no no i've already decided that so so that's one of the ways that you tell, like they start cutting their medicine uh-huh. and um, and you look in the bottle and it's just a white powder in the bottom. Well, they're bringing it in half and whatnot. I'm going to take half totally. a dose. Yeah. Totally. So one of the questions I have as a parent would be um, side effects. All right. So first week or two, you kind of just monitor it. If it's nothing too extreme, just monitor it and whatnot. See if you get through it. How often do we need to come back, uh, you know, especially in the beginning to really kind of check mm-hmm. to see how things are going, progressing and all that. Yeah, when, when we first start medicine and outpatient, we 
you know, I have the luxury of a treatment center where people are there all the time. Um, but when we first start medicine, we need to see them within the first week or two. Like definitely they come back within two weeks. And then we talk to the parents about all the things that they need to be watching for. <clears throat> a really big issue with psychotropic medicine and antidepressants is that there is a chance that it will cause suicidal thoughts, spontaneous suicidal thoughts. It's always been that way, but it we, antidepressants got a black box for kids uh, years ago. So we have to talk about it. That's the that's the thing that you really talk about. It's kind of like a collaboration with the child and the parents. If you know you start an antidepressant, and you have, we say to them, if you have suicidal thoughts, there it's important that you don't get scared of it. You don't decide you're going to try to handle it yourself. You have to go right to your parents, and they'll call me, and we'll decide what to do. The thing that makes it a little bit difficult and challenging is that depressed people also have suicidal thoughts. Yeah. So you have to weigh the risk and the benefit, not to just sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but you have to decide, you know, is this something that we're going to watch carefully? Is this something that we're going to stop the medicine immediately? Um, they've had them before. So is this one because of the medicine, or is this one because of a grade she just got? I mean, so it's it's a little bit complicated, but it's just what we do, right, for a living. And, I mean, other people do – you do things for a living, and you're good at it. And so I think child psychiatrists, for the most part, are used to talking to kids and parents about the possibility of suicidality. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that, you know, I've heard before is, like, you know, when my kid is on medication, and now he's, like – He's like on this cocktail straitjacket. He's just like, you know, kind of like a zombie and whatnot. Is that the medication or is it just maybe just the wrong medication, as you mentioned? Yeah, I would say it's not working, right? It's the same thing. I mean, that's not working. That's not who the child is. He's nice is. and calm now, but now he's just not himself either, you know, and that's, that's, not, that's, that's not working. Right, and you have to go back and you really have to advocate. You know, this, this is true about medicine in general, right? This isn't just about child psychiatry or psychiatry. You, you have to go back and advocate for what you need and what you want and that's how you get the best result and so. i'm just so excited that you said that because so many times clients will sit back and fail to be an active participant in their own treatment and and they they generally will come out of an appointment with a provider and say something like oh well they're saying i need this now they're wanting me to do that or this right and they're not really doing that advocacy for themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not taking that assertive role in their own treatment of what maybe is working for them, what's not working for them. Totally. I'm, you know, I get kind of, I smile and talk about this with my patients and their families. If you can't be honest with your psychiatrist, I mean, who are you going to be honest with, right? <laughs> I mean, you've got to tell the psychiatrist. That's my attorney tells me. <laughs> well, there's truth in that. And and that's it's the same thing about therapists. I'll say, have you told your therapist that? Oh, no, I haven't told her. Well, how long you've been seeing her? Three years? Oh, yeah. my God. You know, so so I think um, I think sometimes our our families, our parents, are they don't want to rock the boat. They, they like the psychiatrist. They don't want to upset the psychiatrist and say, hey, I don't like this medicine. This is my son isn't who I... I know, like the medicine is making his behavior a little bit better, but this isn't him. They don't want to challenge it. But you know, people that are in my field that are that are really good, they they of course they want to know. They're not taking that personal. They're just they're they not, didn't develop the medication. No, they're just going to say, "Oh my gosh, 
we've got to do something differently. I only met your child this way. I didn't know that there's another way. You know your child better than I do. We don't want that. No, there's no child psychiatrist I've ever met that said, I want to make that child a zombie and definitely not like he was. No, <laughs> yeah. that is not right. We want it. We want to do, we want to have, we want the child to be the best version of themselves. Sounds, sounds like, a, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I see on Facebook from parents and like, they just, they would, you know, their kid is acting up. They can't take it. They want to have some Calgon or something. They want to, you know, jump off the, off the cliff and they just want their kids. I need some medication for my kids. Can you help me out and whatnot? Um, I think what you said earlier about settings and whatnot, it's not just the medication though. We as parents also play a part in that. And there's, there's, there's a job to be done. So even if we put our kids on medication, we still have a big part in really how that all plays out. Yeah. I think so. It's just one lane and a big multi-lane highway, right? I mean, kids, for the most part, want structure, limits, and consistency. That's what they want. Mm -hmm. It's very low tech. (laughs) They need to go to bed at the same time. They need to get up at the same time. Um, Sometimes it's annoying for adults, right? Right. But they really just need structure, limits, and consistency. And I'm just talking about the bell curve of, of children that have just normal right normal functioning exactly yeah Yeah. i mean obviously they're different so our jobs are pretty easy just get them up feed them put them to bed on time and we're good (laughs) same thing every day no screen time don't put them in front of the tv as a babysitter right Um, so i do have uh and then make sure your providers are working as a team yes that's exactly true it's a village with kids right right that's That's why we refer to each other and we work together and we value each other's opinions that's exactly right and when we're referring out to our for our patients to leave treatment and they don't have a team um the therapist will say to me all the time dr setliff where do you want to send um the patient for psychiatry for medication management and i always say to them ask the therapist who they work with because that's going to be the best care it's it it's a team it's that the team that knows each other that's used to working together that's always going to be the best care there's communication collaboration and all that yeah so um I really appreciate your time. I got a couple of other really quick questions. Um, so you mentioned like the example of the kid, the the fourth grader with the two parents who were ph- uh, physicians and whatnot. I know a lot of parents who are completely against medication. They're against getting their kids the shots and whatnot yeah. when they're young, um, but they believe in essential oils. What are your thoughts on essential oils, the cure-all? Well, I really like essential oils. I mean, I do. I think they're fabulous. Um, I think they work a lot in meditation and I think they can relieve stress, and I like how they smell. Um, and some of them are edible. I just don't have any data that says that they treat um, major mental illness. Um, I don't have any data that says that that's going to work. I'm not against them, though. I'm, if, I'm, not, I'm really a fan of alternative medicine, honestly. I just think sometimes uh, you need to combine it with Western medicine for the best outcome. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, I know before the show we were talking about CBD and all that too, and you talked about this big dog section. Is there like a is there like a kid section at CBD? <laughs> you know what? I've never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it. I've never seen what they say about CBT, CBD and kids. And funny enough, I just saw a huge section about dogs though. Yeah, that, that is that interesting. Was, that was interesting. So that's I was I was waiting I to ask this question because I know when you said that, I was like, I wonder if they offer this for kids because you talked about. It does it do work for this? Yes, yes, uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. hands down. Twi- <laughs> right. Once in the morning and twice in the evening, right? That's right. <laughs> Anxiety, tennis, elbow. I mean, but and I mean, I've got friends that swear by CBD. Mm-hmm. So I just am not an expert in it, and I can't really 
comment on it. Um, I'm sure if it worked to decrease um, kids' hyperactivity, that there'd be a line out the door for it, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. Well, there's a lot of uh, movie stars and, and actors that swear by these different uh, diets, too, and, and they advertise them, and I've tried them. They never did work. They never looked like that, so, you know. <laughs> Let's talk about diet culture on another episode, yeah, right? Right. Diet culture would be a fun thing to that talk about. That would be fun, yeah. Um, yeah, but thanks for all those questions. I I, I, um, I really am a fan of all alternative medicine. Um, I went to see a car, uh, uh, acupuncturist once and I said, I've got, I've got problems with my back. He said, no problem. And I said, well, you know, I've gone to some, my Western doctors and, and they, they don't seem to be able to help me. He said, Dr. Setliff, you have been, Western medicine has had medication for 200 years. We have had medication for 3000 years. <laughs> That's he was awesome. Asia. That is awesome. He said, I'm going to take care of your back. And so, I mean, I just, I'm a big fan. Well, do you have any other questions, Dr. Schwalem? No, I love that you came on today. I really appreciate it. This was lots and lots of fun. So well, great information. Thanks. I know the parents are going to love this too. So mm. we, oh. look, we look forward to having you on again. So thank you so much. It was fun to be here. Well, awesome. thanks for joining the Parents of Advocate podcast. We'll see you next week. Stay tuned.